Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Well, it's been a long time coming, but it has finally happened. We have Butcher and uh, Old School on the same call. So both of you guys carry a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience on sports. It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Obviously, we're gonna, we can talk for hours, but just to begin, can you bring me back to um, your college days just to get familiar with your personal interests at the time? What was the main sport that you guys used to play? And did you carry this passion throughout your life? Back in college, uh, you know, I still, I was, I was betting on all American sports, but I really had a love of baseball, as everyone knows, and I still do. Um, I had a good friend, and uh, we had a, our first, you know, official bookmaker, and uh, we'd make some, some bets together and split them, $25. Fifty dollars, you know that type of thing, and it's uh, okay, great. Uh, but I noticed some interesting things. Like when we used to handicap baseball, we did some things that I've now discovered I- I'm doing on Z Code. Only we had no idea what we were doing back then. Uh, for example, in baseball, we would notice that every season, almost every team would either win or lose multiple times during the year, nine, 10, 12 games. So we came up with this little thing, just a pencil and a cross stroke, where if a team had lost three games in a row, we would bet them to lose. And we keep betting them to lose until they won. Uh, and conversely, if they had won three in a row, we'd bet them and we'd keep betting them until they lost. So we could only lose once, but if the streak kept going, we kept going. And, you know, uh, that's uh, uh, similar to some Zico tools. The, the other one that's really similar, though, was in spread sports like football. We, we did our little homework, and we noticed that most teams at the end of the season um, were about or close to it as far as winning or losing by the spread. So we would start keeping track. And when a team that was like two and seven versus the spread played a team that was seven and two versus the spread, we would play the team that was two and seven, figuring they would get closer to the 50% and vice versa. So what we were doing unknowingly, and this is (laughs) a very long time ago, was regression to the mean. Well, of course, we had no idea that's what it was, and it was a very rudimentary form. But, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that we tried to uncover. And, and, of course, the usual stuff, just handicapping like a fan, you know, do we think they'll win by more than four points and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, obviously the passion has, has continued. You know, baseball's my, my favorite sport. I love it, but Football is the perfect sport that's constructed for gambling. Let's face it. I mean, it's just it's broken down even before offshore books and live betting and everything else. There were so many ways and so many different types of of bets you could make on a football game. And then you could bet them again at halftime and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's just it's just perfectly structured for for the betting public. All right, so baseball. 
Butcher yourself, I believe you're a basketball man, at least from the college days, right? Uh, yeah, 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 I'm a, I'm a pretty big basketball better, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, uh, some of the things we used to get into with uh, basketball was we were looking at guys that were playing in smaller conferences. I mean, I know it does, it kind of sounds a little disheartening a little bit, but, you know, we would look at guys that we could find an edge in, a player, maybe here or there where they actually had a little bit of a gambling problem <laughs> and we were able to take advantage of that. If you, if you want to talk about how I first got into betting on college basketball, if we're going Go back that far. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So basically we would, uh, we would look at these, some of these smaller mid-major conferences and, uh, you know, if there was a if there was a kid on there that ended up having a gambling problem and got in a little too deep and couldn't pay a debt or something, we would definitely take advantage of that. And that's how, I mean, if you want the truth, that's how I got, that's how I got into betting on college basketball. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything about anybody other than that, but we definitely would like to, we definitely looked to take advantage of guys that ended up getting down on a book who like to gamble on sports, especially right. if they play college sports. And uh, I know I, I know, I mentioned this in my uh, first podcast with uh, the University of Minnesota. And if you can uh, look back, and this is all information that you can Google, uh, you know, University of Minnesota made the Final Four in 97, and they got that, they got that Final Four vacated, actually. It's not there anymore. And uh, I know they said it was because somebody was uh, stealing computers, but that wasn't the reason. And that's really how I got involved in uh, uh, betting with with uh, ba college basketball, and now it's become a passion. I mean, I don't have that kind of I don't have that kind of advantage anymore. But I'm just saying that's how I got that's how I got it. that's how I basically got introduced into betting college basketball. <laughs> Through my grandfather, because he sent me to he sent me to the University of Minnesota for that reason. So I, oh. I ran a sports I ran the sports book at the University of Minnesota from uh, 1996 to 1997. And if you look, their basketball team made the Final Four, but that Final Four is vacated. All right. <laughs> so that's how I'm, gl that's how, I'm glad I, I didn't mean, go to the University of Minnesota because I probably would owe Butcher a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. It's all right. You know, man. We, we we'll put it on a payment plan, buddy. <laughs> I've been on a few of those in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you, your ass might have hit me for a few thousand, man. I don't know, so we don't know. Maybe I would on a payment plan. I don't know. I, with no offense, but I think if um, Old School was one of your clients, they wouldn't be a client for a long time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I ain't trying to take any bets from Old School, all right? Especially, like you talked uh, baseball, I ain't taking any bets in baseball from old school. I can tell you that right now. He can bet for a week and I can get his ass off. <laughs> oh, all right. So obviously, both of you guys are from the U.S. You have attended a lot of matches. You got a lot of exposure to a lot of sports personality. What are some of your most memorable moments of meeting uh, someone you looked looked up to, and also has that you know expectation of a hero sort of um, wore off as you met them or you were flabbergasted um, 
and also it has exceeded your expectations, perhaps. Yeah, having lived in L.A. for a while, and I, I, I learned very, and, and having met some people, I mean, I was in Norfolk when the Virginia Squires were there, so, you know, for, the stadium was half full, and I got to see guys like Dr. J and George the Iceman, Gervin, so I learned pretty early on not to fall in love with my heroes because someone was a good actor or a great athlete didn't mean they were a great person. So I didn't get too starstruck, but I will tell you about two. Um, I grew up, um, and my kind of basketball, one of my basketball sports heroes as a kid was Jerry West, the logo for the NBA. So, um, later in life, when I used to, when I was, developing shopping centers a lot of my partners were uva graduates and they were big boosters because they were doing well so i used to go to the acc tournament every year and uh one year we went to you know one of the the hot spots where everybody went afterwards to have cocktails and someone says uh college nickname pistol because i looked like pistol p didn't play like him just looked like him you know <laughs> and uh they said pistol there's jerry west so we went over and introduced ourselves, and he was the nicest guy in the world. He turned us on to some drink that had licorice beans in it. Butcher probably knows what it is since he owns a bar, but um, just chatted with us, you know, and that was that was awesome. But my most fun experience, you know, growing up, I was a big boxing fan, and you know, the Friday night fights were a big deal because there was no cable, there was no pay per view. He had three channels. So, you know, if you got to see a fight and, you know, it was uh, it, it was it was big stuff. And uh, I was a fight fan all my life. And Cassius Clay came along, who then became Muhammad Ali, as we all know. And 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 I loved him. Now, one of his I never never got to meet him, but one of his big adversaries, as we all know, is Ken Norton. They fought three times. Norton won the first one by split decision. You know, Ali won the next one by split decision, the next one by unanimous decision, but they were all very controversial. So I'm living in L.A., and I'm friends, platonic friends, unfortunately, with this girl. She was a Playboy bunny. She was an actress, and she happened to have been in a very bad movie that Ken Norton was in called Mandingo, and they became friends. We'll just leave it at that. So... She gets a call and she says to me, look, I know you're a big boxing guy. Norton was training at Desert Hot Springs because he was going to fight Larry Holmes for the championship. And she said, you want to drive out to Palm Springs and meet Ken Norton at his training camp? And I said, what, are you kidding me? Of course I do. So we go out there and we get close and call in and he comes out and meets us about a little ways from the camp there it was you know out in the middle of nowhere it was just a little motel it had a sign up it said you know he was training there and everything and uh in a convertible bentley you know and, and meets us and we go to the training camp and i'm having a great time watching him train i've never seen anything like this he would fight without any uh uh pauses without any breaks one minute rounds, one fighter after another. They would bring out guys that were ranked in Ring Magazine, like fifth in the world that you never heard of. These beasts they brought in from Europe. I mean, they look, you know, and, and he would just 
after every minute they would switch guys and he would fight them. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, just, just the stamina he had and he was an ex Marine, you know, so he had that V cut, just, just a great physical specimen. Um, nicest guy in the world. So I'm waiting to ask him all these questions about Ali and some guy, if you remember those horrible leisure suits that were in style back then, this guy wearing this terrible white leisure suit with a big gold medallion and white shoes comes up to us. He was his spiritual advisor and he pulls us aside and he explains to me, you know, it's my job to keep his head straight. So when he goes to eat dinner, you'll go to the dining room because he goes in there and he just eats steak as much protein as he wants. And you can, you, you can go to his hotel room. He's got tapes of every fight, you know, what, you know, watch whatever you want. You can eat stuff out of his fridge, but the tapes that he doesn't have are Ali and you can talk to him about anything, but do not talk to him about Muhammad Ali because we want to keep his head straight. So I'm going crazy because I can't talk to him about the one thing I want, but he was a great guy. Um, told me this one funny story that I'll share. I'm just going to tell it like it is Jake. You can edit if necessary. He was really into cars and he had this uh, Corvette that he loved. And he told me about how he boarded out and everything. And he made the trip to Palm Springs, which was about an hour and 15 minute drive and 40 minutes. He goes, but I get stopped by this cop. And uh, he says, I'm going about 110, 120, something like that. And the cop says, wait a second. Aren't you the, aren't you Ken Norton? And he goes, yeah. And he says, and then the cop writes me a ticket. He goes, and after he writes me the ticket, he says, he asked for my autograph. Can you believe that? I said, well, what did you say? He goes, are you kidding me? I turned to him and I said, fuck you. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was pretty funny. And that, then he said, at the time, in addition to playing poker, I had some concessions on the Redondo Beach Pier. And on the pier, it, it was a lot of gang activity. So there would start to be graffiti. And you were obligated to wipe it off your buildings because if the buildings got filled up, that meant there was going to be a gang war. So Ken says to me, oh, on the Redondo Pier, huh? He goes, do you know Bob? Uh, He's a security. And he describes him to me. And I go, "Okay, well, I kind of know who he is. I don't know him. He says, well, when you go, say hello and make sure you tell him you're my friend. And he was very specific to use that verbiage. So I go back to the pier and I find the security guard, Bob, and I go, hey, Bob, you know, I just went and I saw a buddy of yours, Ken Norton, you know, he said, tell you hello. And and you could tell he was kind of wary. He goes, yeah, right. Where'd you see him? So I tell him the story. You know, I went to Desert Hot Springs. He's training for homes. And he said just to make sure to, you know, tell you that I was his friend. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And he said, show me which which businesses are yours. And I said, well, I own the handwriting you know, analysis machine and the balloon stand and the and the blow up picture machine. And I showed, well, I don't know what happened. But after that, I never had ever a single piece of graffiti on any of my businesses again. So Bob was obviously pretty plugged in. And that was a favor that I guess Ken Norton did for me. So that's my that's my story. All right. And I believe Butcher has a very interesting story about Sam Hurd. I don't know if you ever managed to get to meet him, but uh, tell us about some of your encounters with the 
celebrities. <laughs> well, well, everybody knows from the last podcast about Sam Hurd. I was locked up with him in the feds for for a few years. But uh, I, I, I mentioned that in the last podcast, and uh, that did give me a very uh, valuable, that gave me very valuable information on how to bet on football, especially the NFL. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to go back to when I was a little kid, right? And when I was a little kid, I went to go watch. Uh, Charles Barkley was my boy, right? Like, that that was my favorite player. I wasn't a Jordan fan. I am now, of course. But when Jordan was doing his thing, I was a Charles Barkley fan. And uh, I want to bring it back to a story that I got. Uh, basically, I went to go watch a game where Philadelphia was playing. Um, they were playing the San Antonio Spurs, actually. And the Spurs beat them in double overtime. But after the game was over, my mom's boyfriend at the time, who took me to the game, I was there with him, and uh, he basically, we sat there and waited all night long until we caught Barkley coming out of the dressing room. He signed three autographs. There must have been 100 people out there. And uh, my mom's boyfriend basically put the put my uh, Sixers, my Sixers pennant right in front of him, and he signed it. And I'll never forget, he's wearing an all-white all Nike suit. That's some headphones on. And uh, I was a huge Barkley fan, you know, because I mean, to me, he was a rough neck. He was a, he was a guy that I could relate to. He didn't take no shit from nobody, you know what I mean? And that was just, that was my guy, you know? And uh, he actually signed the pennant for me, man. And, and, and that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. But uh, besides that, I don't know if you guys remember when uh, Kansas State was in the Alamo Bowl and uh, Bishop was the quarterback. You guys remember that at all? Who did they play? Uh, I, I, I think they played uh, – God dang it, I can't remember who they played, but they were a big favorite. They were the number four ranked team in the, in the country. It was in like 99, 1999. Okay. I, think they played, I, I can't remember what it was. But, uh, you know, I was a big – Michael Bishop fan, but the problem with Michael Bishop was he had a cocaine problem, right? And I don't know if you remember. I should I should have done some information, but you guys can Google who he played in the Alamo Bowl in '99. And uh, Michael Bishop had a cocaine problem, and uh, we were trying to get an edge, making a play on this game, right? And uh, I really liked Michael Bishop a lot. I didn't know he had a cocaine problem, but I found out pretty soon, and. Uh, the night before the Alamo Bowl, he stayed up all night doing blow. And they were a heavy favorite. And they were a big-time favorite. And uh, I actually met him. I'm not the one that sold him the blow, actually, obviously. But uh, <laughs> a guy that you know, did, all right? His name's Gary. I ain't going to say his last name. And uh, basically, because I... Bishop was going to be a big-time pro athlete, right? But if you guys look, I can't remember. I can't remember who he played. I'll have to go. You know what? I'll probably Google it while we're doing this podcast. But he played here in the Alamo Bowl, and they got their ass whooped. And I know they got their, they got their ass whooped because I know that guy didn't get no sleep for two days while he was here. <laughs> you're, ta- you're talking about 99, right? Yes. So he was, he was drafted by the Patriots. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure his career didn't last too long because the dude had a horrible cocaine problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, they were big favorites that year, 
in the Alamo Bowl. And they got their ass beat bad. And I can promise you, that guy didn't sleep for two or three days before that game. And, and that, you know, you know that, that's the kind of edge that's even better than the line reversal tool. When you get that, when you give me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 it's true. Listen, guys, I know it's stranger than fiction, but I promise you, man, he did an ounce of blow in two days. And we're talking back in the late 90s when that blow was like off the hook, here. And so if you looked at his if you look at his numbers and you get a chance, Jake, to Google his numbers back then in that Alamo Bowl, they were horrible. He, they got rolled. It wasn't even a close game, I don't think. I, I don't know if they were playing AM or what. <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, That's boy. a great story. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is a story. I liked him. I wanted to meet him. My buddy called me up. Hey, he said you want to meet Michael Bishop. I think that was his name, Michael Bishop. I can't remember Bishop. And uh, I was like, yeah, I want to meet him. So we go there. Next thing you know, my buddy's dropping his big-ass rock on a table, and he's going to town. And I'm like, you got a game in a couple days? He's like, yeah, well, I do this before every game, he says. Uh, <laughs> like, so needless to say, I put all the money I had against Kansas State in that game. And uh, I did pretty good. You know, of course, I blew it all on uh, – strippers <laughs> but, but, either, <laughs> but you know that's when i was younger hey so i don't know if this is the pg uh i don't know if this is a pg uh podcast but that's i like michael bishop a lot i thought he was well, going to be a hell of a player just to, uh, to, to 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 give you the good news uh, everyone needs to have a credit card to join z code so uh it's definitely an r-rated um free-for-all podcast <laughs> <laughs> So I have a next question. It's about the managers of MLB. Uh, I want to talk to you about Tommy Lasarda, who has sadly passed away recently. He's one of the bigger personalities. And what are your personal memories of him as a person? And also, what are some of your favorites, um, favorite managers in the MLB overall? All right. Well, Lasorda, you know, I, living in L.A., I had, fortunately, I had great ticket connections. So I've probably been to more games at Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, than anywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, but what Dodgers, I adopted them as my West Coast team. I really love them. Um, Lasorda was always, to me, a great cheerleader. You know, they always say he bleeds Dodger blue, and, and he did. He loved the Dodgers, and he got off to a fast start. I mean, I think he won the World Series after five years. But after that, in 15 seasons, he only got, he, he only got back there once. And um, I just, uh, I, I really never thought he was that great a manager. I thought he was a great front man for the Dodgers. He obviously loved it. He was great for the organization, but I, I, I thought he undermanaged um, as far as the pitchers went. I just didn't, you know, he wasn't one of my top guys. And uh, I don't have any personal stories about him. I, I never met him. He certainly, you know, seemed like an affable guy in his interviews. And like I said, was always very, very positive about the Dodgers. But um, I, uh, I wasn't sure with the talent and the money they had to spend that, you know, 
they they couldn't have done better. But like I said, he was a good front man. I'm sure that was part of the equation also. So that's just that's just my opinion, and it's it's probably worth about two cents for the two cents it's worth. But you asked, so that's that's my take on Tommy. Uh, as far as other managers over the course of my lifetime, some of my personal favorites are Tony Larusa. I mean, he was just one of those managers that got better as he got older, and he was a, a character, some of the classic stuff that he pulled. Um, of course, Casey Stengel. I mean, it's hard to argue with seven championships. Uh, you know, you could say, hey, anybody could coach, you know, the Yankees in the 50s with that lineup. But, you know, um, not so much. We've seen in every sport, you know, the personnel there and the teams not perform. So, uh, and Casey didn't coach the Miracle Mets, but he did, he did start off coaching the Mets. So, you know, he was another personal favorite. Earl Weaver for the Orioles, if for no other reason than to watch him kick sand on the referees and get ejected every other game. I mean, he was a character. Uh, probably my favorite manager, contemporary manager, is Joe Madden. Uh, you know, he was with the Cubs and, uh, he's like, he, to me, he's the Bill Walton of, of managers. He's like an old hippie. He would do stuff to motivate his team. He would take them on theme trips. He'd take them to an island and he'd make them dress in island shirts and stuff like that just to loosen them up. And, and when he managed, I always thought that he handled his pitchers very well. And unlike other managers that did it by the book, you know, okay, this guy's on a pitch count and we put the relief pitcher in and this and that happens it you know he he would use a little more subjectivity a little more of the eye test and and he, and he always seemed to be right on point and and his team really liked him and i just think he did a fantastic job um of course being a yankees fan i love joe torrey thought he did a great job and then one of my my last personal favorite over the years was Sparky Anderson. So Sparky was the first guy to win a, a World Series in, 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 in both the AL and the NL. And uh, he was, uh, he would, you know, he, Detroit, Detroit Tigers. I mean, first he started with the big red machine back in the Pete Rose days when he was a player. Uh, and then he came back and got hired by the Tigers after everybody thought he was washed up. And Sparky would always like he was a big cigarette smoker. And, and, you know, after cigarettes became taboo, you'd always see him like hiding in the dugout, you know, sneaking a smoke, trying to stay off camera. But the Tigers brought him in. They had a team. You couldn't name any of the players. Nobody had heard of these kids. So he goes and he sees the talent and he says, I'll have these guys win an pennant in five years. And he did. You know, so a guy like that with that longevity and that much self-confidence and he was known as Captain Hook because if the starting pitcher threw two balls, he was out of there. I mean, Sparky didn't screw around. So I, I, I uh, he was a very old school type manager and I, he was one of my personal favorites. Uh, and you, Butch, do you have any memories of any of the MLB guys and maybe Tommy Lacerda? Yourself. I'll tell you what, 
I, I actually do. I do like Sparky Anderson, by the way. Old school. I mentioned that. <laughs> uh, I wanted a, I wanted a quick note real quick on my Bishop story before we go on. Uh, at 99, 1998 Alamo Bowl, they lost to the Purdue Boilermakers, who were 8-4. and four. There Kent we go. State was 11-1. They lost 37-34. to 34, And I know why they lost. <laughs> but anyways, so we're we're talking we're talking for real, but uh, we're talking about uh oh and by the way he's recovering from a stroke that he had just about last year, mm. probably because uh you know but anyways uh, so moving to baseball, uh yeah so I tell you who with, with when we talk in MLB I'm a tw- I'm a Minnesota Twins pan- fan so I'm a big Kirby uh Puckett fan and uh, the '87 Twins. Yeah, so the eighty, yeah, so the eighty-seven twins, the eighty-seven and the ninety-one twins, was uh, really the only taste I've ever had of as a fan of a championship team. And so, their uh, manager was uh, uh, what the hell was his name? Old school. What was their name? What was the twins manager's name? I can't remember now. I'm trying. To <laughs> you have, as yeah. soon as you said twins, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but to remember, I mean, he was there forever. Tom Kelly. Tom Kelly. That's right. Tom Kelly. That was his name. So, uh, those, uh, as far as baseball is concerned, I'm not a real big baseball guy, to be honest with you. And, uh, but, uh, if, if we're talking MLB baseball, if you're asking me anything, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about, uh, the 87 and the 91 twins. Uh, Frank Viola in 87 was their big time pitcher. They had a real good, uh, they had a real good, uh, setup, man. Which was Juan Berenguer, and then uh, they had uh, who came on the mound at the end. I can't remember his name, but uh, I think it was John uh, Jeff Reardon. Jeff Reardon was the Jeff Reardon was their closer, but Juan Berenguer would set him up with the heat. And uh, those were my two teams: Kirby Puckett, uh, Dan Gladden, Gary Gaetti, Greg Gagne, all those guys. All those guys, and then of course you know Jack Morris in '91, who uh, pitched for uh, Sparky in '84 uh, when the Tigers won. So I'm a big time uh, Jack Morris fan. He's from Minneapolis, where I went to college at the University of Minnesota for a couple of years, not to get an education, but to run a book. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so my fondest memories of MLB. And they're actually really, really good because it's the only time I've ever got to see a favorite team of mine win a championship. Two of them are the Minnesota Twins and, the, and those Tom Kelly teams of the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, those are my fondest memories of uh, Major League Baseball. Cool. So moving on to the current times, current era of uh, MLB, there is a, a new player called George Springer, well, he's not new to MLB, but he's obviously new to Blue Jays because they just signed him for a six-year contract worth $150 million. Do you think this acquisition is going to pay off for the Blue Jays? I'll let you handle this one, old school. I'll defer, man. (laughs) Well, look, they could have saved a lot of money. I would have played for his signing bonus, $10 million. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have played for for one-tenth of that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, look, if the, Mar- the, the Mets bid $125 million for the guy, uh, you know, it's all what the market can bear. As I've always said in my, and Scotty will relate to this, being in business and 
being in sales, but you know, I can tell you exactly what any product, any service, any sports person is worth exactly right now at this point in time. And the answer to that is what somebody will pay for him. So obviously for the Blue Jays, he's worth $150 million. And the reason is that they want to win now. And I also got a little unsolicited information off the Z code wall from our friend Michael, who up in Toronto, uh, who was joking with me about the Blue Jays, knowing I'm a Yankee fan. And uh, he was saying, you know, because it's Canada and other reasons, they have a hard time attracting marquee players. So, you know, they have to overpay. And if they've got the bankroll for it, and it doesn't hurt their salary cap in other areas, you know, why not? Personally, I've always felt that every position player is overrated. I mean, the guys hit 20-plus home runs in four out of five seasons. You know, that's nice. <laughs> I wonder what Mickey Mantle would have made today. But, you know, it's nice. Uh, I, 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 I can't see a right fielder. I mean, you know, when I was a kid and played baseball, if you – if you couldn't catch and you couldn't throw, they stuck you in right field. I mean, I know it's a little different, but, um, you know, if he's the guy that does, he arguably gives them, you know, the best offensive lineup in baseball or certainly in the conversation along with the Yankees and a couple of others. Um, and he may get them there as quickly as they need to be. <clears throat> what I looked at in the trade was how does it affect the rest of the team? You know, because uh, I think the key to winning, obviously, is pitching. And, you know, uh, they've been pretty impressive. They got Rourke, they got Rue, <clears throat> they got Chatwood and Jansen, Chase Anderson. So uh, they look pretty well rounded. And they're, you know, it, 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 you got to create some chemistry. You, you know, other guys are going to have to shuffle around a little bit. You don't know what that's going to do to them. But, um, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, like I said, it's if if that's what the market will bear and they can afford it. Being a Yankees fan, I'm used to seeing my team, you know, overpay for players to get there. And it's worked out for them many times. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish them the best until they, you know, until they get to the Yankees, of course. <laughs> Don't want to spend too much time on baseball, but obviously we're going to be jumping around to different sports shortly. Just the last question on baseball is what team should we be looking forward to for the next season or, or as teams to be looking out for? I mean, the obvious ones are, you know, again, the Dodgers and the Braves in the National League. Uh, before this trade, I would have said the Rays and the Yankees, but now you got to throw the Blue Jays in there. You know, uh, White Sox are also certainly going to be a contender or look like they could be uh, in the national league. The Braves could be, but uh, I will tell you a story, a, a quick story about uh, among all of us uh, about last season, we were making the futures bets and uh, the butcher call, you know, contacts me and uh, he says, look, I, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I have a ton of respect for the butchers. We all do in all American sports. So I was flattered when he deferred to me in baseball. And he said, who do you like? 
And I said, well, look, it's a slam dunk on the Dodgers. I've already got them to win the pennant and the World Series. I said, in the American League, frankly, from top to bottom, um, I like Tampa Bay. But the Yankees are the exact same odds. So since it's a futures bet and the Yankees are my team, I'll just bet the Yankees and, you know, I'll root for the rest of the season. So fast forward, you know, Tampa Bay wins the division. Butcher calls me. He figures I'm going to be all happy. I tell him, well, I took the Yankees. He goes, I I don't know anything about this stuff. I got the winning ticket here with Tampa Bay because you told me to take them. So (laughs) who was the smart one? You know, that's the question. (laughs) Uh, Butcher, are you going to be placing any MLB bets into the new season or – is this the, the sport that you're sort of interested in or not so much? You rather just um, take a seat in the back and just observe the action? I, I, tell, I mean, I, I mean I'll, I'll roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty a little bit. I uh, Just over the course of the year. I mean, I guess with la- come, in, the, in the coming up uh, MLB season, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, baseball isn't my expertise, really. But... Uh, you know, man, I, I like the t- Tampa Bay. I know old school like Tampa Bay last year as well. And I mean, I bet them to win the East. But I mean, other than that, I don't really have much of opinion worth sharing because I just am not real. I'm, I'm not. I'm learn. I'm, I'm, I'm not the best baseball aficionado here. You know what I mean? That's why I'll defer to old school on all things baseball. I'm just well, well, let's, my sport. I, I, can, I, can I throw something in here? And, and I don't, I'm not going to make this a mutual admiration society, but I, I just got to tell everybody this. You know, we've all seen how the butcher performs in basketball and uh, football. And it's, it's, you know, his record is nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, it's certainly mm-hmm. in the conversation for one of the best we've ever seen at Z code or, and I've ever seen, in my sure. lifetime, and I've worked with some, I mean, real professional handicappers, not the, these guys you see advertising, guys that have handicapped for Billy Walters and, and, and Butcher's right in there. Mm. And he contacted me once because he, he contacted me as soon as I started to poker for him, and we, we became friendly after that. We had a common interest there. And he asked me mm-hmm. a couple things. said, I want to get a little better at handicapping baseball. And And I I told him a few of the advanced metrics that I like to use and some metrics I thought were obsolete. And uh, it wasn't a week later that he was picking the same games that I was. So, I mean, Butcher, he he understands this. It's in his blood. He's done it since he's sitting on his grandfather's knee. And regardless of the sport, if he wants to do it, he is one quick study. So Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to throw that in there. I appreciate that. See, there you go. But you're definitely going to like my next question, Butcher, because we're going to move on to baseball, away from baseball and into basketball. Okay. (laughs) For the NBA (laughs) teams, obviously the NBA teams have made a lot of roster changes recently. And this season, the Nets are looking hot. And I mean, damn hot with with the top three players, Duran, Harden, and obviously Irving. Uh, on the same roster, do you reckon they will make the playoffs and beyond, perhaps, or do you see I'll them? Tell you, I tell mean, I reckon they will if they want to play some defense, which they really aren't <laughs> playing too much defense right now. And uh, 
you know, yesterday I put on Z code. I was like, if if the Lakers are going to get touched, they're going to get touched tonight by Philly, and they got touched. And uh, I just I don't know, man. Up to me, first off, the Lakers are first and foremost the team to beat. They play the def- their defense is so beautiful. Their defense creates the offense. I mean, from the top down, Anthony Davis is such a good defender. So is LeBron James. You got Caldwell Pope. They all are just really, really good defenders. And so, I right now I I I don't know if there's enough basketball to move around on the Nets right now. I mean, I do think they can take the East, but you know, I ain't gonna lie. With Doc Rivers in Philly right now. And to me, Embiid's the best big man in the game. And he causes a lot of matchup problems now with this small ball that everybody wants to play. I mean, you guys saw it last night, even against a great defender like uh, Anthony Davis. You know, Embiid's a problem if he can stay healthy. And now he's got a coach that can reel his ass in when he needs to. And he respects his coach, Doc Rivers. And uh, let's not take anything away from um, the point guard they got, uh, Ben Simmons. I know a lot's... uh, been been said about how he can't shoot the ball but my god look at this guy's stats i mean i don't think anybody really looks at this guy's stats but he does everything from top to bottom so well he plays great defense he's a i got an affinity for big point guards right he's a big point guard what is he about six seven six eight he almost reminds me of magic without magic's jump shot i think he can get there though but uh I don't know, man. I'll tell you what. If I had to make a future bet right now, and I'm not a prisoner of the moment. I'm really not. Uh-huh. I liked Philly before last night. Uh-huh. And I may even post this on Z Code, but I may go in and go ahead and put a future bet on Philadelphia to win the East. Oh, wow. I'm just worried about Embiid's health. But as far as the total, as far as the NBA is concerned, there's one top dog, and that's the Lakers. And it's because of their defense. And that's that's my take on the NBA right now. I just don't know. I, I just don't like Kyrie Irving very much. I just and I don't. I'm not a big. I like James Harden, but do you man, feel like they got to be a? They got to make that basketball a lot bigger to go around between them three. I love Grant. <laughs> but... Do you feel like there's that's a problem when there's too many too many stars on a single team? It becomes a bit. He, he, Jake, their defense is bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. They let the Cleveland Cavaliers score 140 on them. I mean, come on. That's so bad. I'm, I I, mean, I'm looking at the score, and I'm like, you just let Andre Drummond go for 30 or 40. I mean, come on, man. I mean, come on. There's a process problem. That's a, that's a problem. I think he, he did only go for like 14 the first game, but their mm. defense is really bad. Really, really bad. Uh, old school, what's your perception of uh, NBA season? so far and how do you see the nets as well well i as far as the specifics you know i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna defer to the butcher a lot i'm gonna get into more of a little global discussion here Uh, as far as the teams in the west you know i had the lakers and the clippers as the favorites and and the nets and the bucks obviously um and uh, i certainly agree with the butcher as far as the lakers and if they um are committed to playing defense, that's going to be one tough out for anybody. But, you know, my, I mean, I love basketball growing up, Earl the Pearl Monroe and Walt Frazier and, and Showtime and all that stuff. And I barely watch pro basketball now. And you just hit on it, Jake, when you said, Hey, when you have too many stars on one team, who do you give the ball to? 
this whole concept of building super teams. I mean, I watched an interview with Bird and Magic on some talk show years ago, and they said, if you guys had the chance to build these super teams so you could, you know, have dynasties and orchestrate them, would you have done it? And without a second's hesitation, they both went, hell no. We wanted to play against the best. We, I mean, we wanted to compete against each other. So this whole thing of, of having, you know, five gigundo superstars on the same team, it just, just kind of turns me off. And, and, and the other thing that does is the rules changes. I, I mean, I know rules are always going to change over time, but, you know, internationally, what's the biggest sport? Soccer. People love soccer. Americans, not so much. Americans tend to love offense. What happened when Gibson had the greatest year ever in baseball? They, they, uh, they lowered the mound to, to create more offense. They juiced the ball some years. In football, they've changed the defensive rules. You can't, they may as well put a flag on these guys. In the NBA, you're looking at totals of 240. That used to be an all-star total. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm not saying these guys aren't great uh, that play today, but, you know, back in the Jordan games days, they couldn't get the ball up the court. And, and I'm also not saying I want to see it stay a total wrestling match, but, you know, I do like to see some defense. So I'm just kind of off the, the NBA as far as being a big fan, to be honest with you. This is a very dynamic podcast. We move on from one sport to another. And the next one I want to talk about is NCAAB, which is obviously the sort of the league below up and coming players. And there's a lot of teams that are sort of going for the for the top right now in the title. Uh, Gonzaga is one of them. They're, you know, they're reaching for the title since 2017. And it, it seems like everything's playing out, but not so much. And what's your perception of this season so far? How do you see it? And what teams should we be looking out for going into playoffs? Um, you asking me? Go for it, Butcher. Yeah, okay, you, you can uh, go fast. First of all, the best team in the country is Baylor. Okay? Let's just not get that twisted. They're in probably the best conference <laughs> or one of the best conferences. They've been the best team since last year. Everybody knows I'm not a I'm not a fan of any team, but I'm just saying, like, everybody knows I've been Mom Baylor's nuts, for lack of a better word, for two years now. And, uh, you know, if if I actually early bet, I'm there was a game that uh, Gonzaga was about to play Baylor earlier in the season, and I had caught an early line at Baylor plus four. Before game time, it was at two, and uh, the game got canceled, but... I highly doubt Gonzaga was still going to be the number one team after that game. That's my opinion. But I, 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 think, I think the Big 12 is a very, very, very good conference. And I, knew, I know Gonzaga has some horses, but I just – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I just don't trust Gonzaga. I, 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 I trust Baylor's – here we go with defense again, right? I'm a big defensive guy. When it comes to any pros, the Lakers got the best defense in the NBA. That's why – I bet on them all year, last year in the playoffs especially. And That's I'm going to say the same thing with Baylor. They got the best defense, man. They got two guards that can start on any pro team now. They got, they got, they got the post players to play good D. They're in a conference where they get tested day in and day night. I mean, their worst game is against Kansas State. Who's Baylor playing? I mean, who's Gonzaga playing? Pacific. 
University of California, San Diego. You know, we're looking, I mean, come on. They're not, they're, they're, to me, and I know they, they have beat some good teams. They, they did, they, they, they beat Kansas, and I get all that. But to me, Baylor, they got some junkyard dogs, a really great coach. They're tested in a big-time conference. And uh, I think both their guards can start for any NBA team after a few years in the league. I think those guys will get a starting spot. So me, if you ask me, I'm all the way in on the Baylor Bears, which they're just a few miles up the road from where I'm at right now as well. All right. So, have you been to any old of school? The, I know old, old school might old school. I know old school may have a different take. I mean, he likes some of those teams out east. I'm not sure. I know he likes the Bears as well. But <laughs> what's your take on that old school? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to take a page out of your book. I, I, in handicapping basketball, uh, in every sport, but especially basketball, I knew it was all about matchups. But Butcher's really taken me to a new level in looking at the matchups. And that's my only concern. Strength of schedule, the guards, everything he said, I, I can't disagree with. Um, but in looking at the matchups on the Zags, you know, that's a pretty complete team. And I just don't know. I, I don't know of any team that, that matches up with them. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong about Baylor. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that in a one-and-done tournament, you know, it's hard to any given night, you know, you're knocked out of the tournament. It's survive in advance. And uh, that's a tough order for anyone. I mean, you want to have yeah. at least a few games when you're deciding a championship so that talent can really lot, rise and, and one off night doesn't knock you out. So it's really hard. The top four that I had were the Zags, Baylor, Villanova. And I did have Texas, but now it's sort of a tie between Texas and Iowa. Michigan has snuck in there. Uh, as the butcher knows, I'm a big Shaka Smart fan, who's the coach yeah. of Texas. And, uh, you know, but um, y'all are going to laugh at me, but uh, <laughs> I know the, the ACC is down this year. And, um, and, and granted, I'm a homer uh, when it comes to that, but uh, <laughs> I'm also a big Tony Bennett fan. And if you don't think. I, I am too. Heard, I am too. Well, you talk about defense. I mean, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, yeah. they, they score 60 points and they win every game by 20, you know. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, UVA, I, I know they're looking to sneak in on that top line. And if not, they, they are at least be a number two seed. If they can if they can win out and, and plus win the ACC championship and somebody else stumbles, they're going to be right there on the top line. I'm not For saying sure. they can go all the way, but I'm not saying that they can't either. Um, yeah. There's another sneak team too. If you just want to pick, like, you know, who might be the so-called Cinderella, uh, I, I really like Florida State, and I like them because of their length. You know, that's a defense too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they they <laughs> they create a lot of matchup problems, as you like to say. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. Take. I I. I yeah, I, I agree with you on that old school. I can't I can't argue with you there. I do have one. I got one sleeper coming out of the Big Ten, maybe. I know everybody loves Iowa. I think Illinois is a real complete team, and I think they could definitely make some noise in the big dance as well. And I like Iowa. I like Luca Garza. But, yeah, everything you said, I, I agree with you on everything you said from Virginia down to Florida State. So And Gonzaga, too. They pose a lot of matchup problems. So that was a yeah. good take, man. I like that one. 
Thank Iowa you. has the number one offense, don't they? With uh, con- consecutive 90-plus points per game. Yeah, they do. They they do, they do, and they got guards. But, you know, they they got some shooters. I mean, Bohannon can really light it up from three-point land, and, and they're good, too. But I just I don't know, man. When you get drummed by Minnesota like they did, and then, uh, hey, who just beat them recently, old school? They just lost one too recently. I can't remember to who. Who was it? You remember old school? Uh, no, I don't. But but I was God listening to you when you were talking about their schedule, and I was laughing because it's like you know, yeah, little sisters of the poor, and you know, St. Mary's. <laughs> but uh, uh, but they, you know, they they've got the players this year, so it'll be interesting. They they do got the ballers, and I was good too. I just. Uh, if I was gonna pick a sleeper though to make a run to the Final Four, it would be Illinois out of the Big Ten. They got a they got a pretty they got three guys on there that can light it up. They got a good defense, and uh, I know everybody. You know, I, I mean, I was of course everybody's got to have them up there. They probably got the player of the year. I really, I tell you what, if I had to pick a player's game, I love I, I Luca love Garza, Garza, baby. Love Garza, absolutely. Now, when I played basketball, I was that guy, not on his level, but that was me. I was a meme mother. I ain't going to say it because I don't know. I know it's R-rated, but I still got to watch the kids at home. But I played like him, man. I didn't take Butcher, no shit. Let me ask you, Butcher, let me ask you a question. There, there's one, because yeah. I'm curious. There's one team I keep seeing up there in the mix, and uh, Houston. What do you think of Houston? Like, I, I don't know why they're up there that high. Do you? I, 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 you know, I love Houston. I do. I love They play great defense, man. I mean, here we go again with the Okay, defense, well, but... okay, that answers it. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you, old school. I'm gonna like any Kelvin Sampson coach team. Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, he, I'm a fan. I am. <laughs> I know he's a cheater. I know he's cheated. But I tell you what, all his guys play real hard nosed basketball, and uh, they're gonna. You know what? You just. You know what? You just. You know that could, they could be a dark horse too, old school. That's a good. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, old school. I really am because. That's a really good point you made, man, and I almost forgot about it. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, Houston, man, they're a dark horse. Any team that can play real good defense, I'm on them because defense travels. Your shot don't have to be off or on to play good D. Well, defense does travel. That's a great point. On those back-to-backs, boy, that pays off. Yeah. Yeah, goddamn right. Yeah. Yeah. So good point, man. I almost forgot about them. (laughs) Boys, the wrap this up because we are on the one hour mark now amazing podcast so far you know i'm gonna ask and that's obviously gonna be the nfl playoffs we are going into the the super bowl and uh you know buccaneers and chiefs chiefs made it so what is your prediction for the for the final I'll let you take it old school first. I'll come in after you. <laughs> well, I know where you're going with it. so You uh, already know where I'm going. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, uh, I may as well get all of Z code hating me because uh, I'm not a Brady fan. I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying he's not a talented guy, but I am so tired of hearing about how he's the GOAT. I mean, I just uh, – I think he may be playing against the GOAT a decade from now, if Mahomes stays healthy. Uh, and oh, Brady I thought he was playing against Montana. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. And Brady Brady has proved me wrong. I attributed a lot of his success to playing under Belichick, who built a team around him in a specific offense. But 
he's shown now that he really truly is a field general and he's, you know, but the man does not like to get his jersey dirty. I mean, I've seen interviews with ex-football players that have said he closes his eyes before he gets hit. So you got to, you know, you got to get in on him. You got to hit him. The Chiefs, I love Mahomes. I think Andy Reid is on a mission to prove this game has not passed him by when the Chiefs let him go. And so far, he's shown to be the premier coach this season, in my opinion. You got, you got, um, uh, Arians on the, on the other team for Tampa Bay. This guy, when he coached Arizona, every year he'd be about to lose his job, but then all of a sudden he'd win the last five games and keep his job. So I'm still not sure how good a coach he is. Maybe he's great. I'm just not sure. Um, I know that uh, the Butcher is uh, going to be in the opposite side of this one. As far as winning the game and winning the Super Bowl, I just uh, – um, I think the Chiefs have a lot of weapons. I think I think let's let's go down the boxes. Coaching, I give the check mark to the Chiefs. Quarterback experience to Brady, but as far as the physical tools, the youth having the legs and having a great football IQ, Mahomes, bam. Um, defense, you know, check mark probably goes to the Bucks. Overall offense, I don't know. I like the Chiefs to win the game as far as with the spread. Um, I'll do what I usually do and and follow whatever the butcher posts. <laughs> I agree with everything old school said pretty much on, on the Chiefs. I think Andy Reid's the better coach. Definitely think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback at this time. You know, Tampa, Tom Brady threw three picks in the second half of uh, that game versus the Packers, and they still yes, won. Did. And why do they win? Because they got that defense. Here we go. I'm on the defense again. I'm on yeah, the defense I, I again, guys. Mark there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know. I heard you. I'm taking – I've already posted the play on Z-Code. I'm taking Tampa Bay. I got them, I got them at three and a half. I, I bet it as soon as I – I bet it at 10 p.m. Sunday night <laughs> from a bar with my best friend. I was like, ah, I got three and a half. I said, I'm going to beat the closing line. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So – I got Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Yeah, well, and so do I, because I don't Tampa. follow many people blindly, but you know I follow you when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, yeah. as much as I hate it, I I, I, I wasn't going to go against you. I followed you. Yeah, you <laughs> I, was, I, watched it, I follow you blindly. I follow you blindly on your MLB progressions, buddy. So uh. <laughs> we're, we're even. I won a lot of those because of you last summer. So, uh, But, yeah, so listen, man. I think that defense is rounding out into probably the number one defense in the league as we are approaching the Super Bowl. I really believe it. And uh, I listen, it, you know how hard it is to bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's so hard. I don't want to do it. I don't. I do not want to do it. I had the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. Got lucky. I'll tell you what. I'm on the Chiefs, and I'm, and it's not about Tam. It's not about Tom Brady. He's stealing all the headlights from the real stars of this team, and that's their defense. And uh, if you throw three picks against Green Bay in the second half, and your defense is able to keep that victory, that's something that I'm willing to bet my money on. And and that's really the only reason why I'm betting on Tampa Bay. I'm betting on their defense, and of course, I'm betting that Tom Brady can make some good decisions. Of course, he's I, I'm like old school. I wasn't. I'm not a big Tom. I'm not a big Tom Brady fan. But God, 
God damn it, he's proving me wrong, you know. I mean, kind of show, kind of show me where he's at when he took this it's, Bucks it's getting team. Old, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, but golly, it's kind of hard to ignore what he's done at 43 years old to get to the Super Bowl. But he he's not the reason they're in the Super Bowl. They should have lost that game. Their defense kept them in that game and shut Rodgers down. And uh, that's 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 where I'm at on the Super Bowl, guys. As I'm on Tampa. I can't argue with anything old school said. He's right on every everything he said. He's 100% right. I, I just, uh, to me, my check mark is the defense, but I make Tampa's defense three check marks. And so that's that's where the difference is. But, I mean, hell, man. Every, every professional gambler knows the Super Bowl is the worst game of the year to bet on, right? I mean, come on. Everybody knows it's that. A, it's the sharpest line of the year. It's a day to have a party, you know, make a fun bet, make a bunch of prop yeah. bets. And, and, and unfortunately, everybody goes nuts on the one game that's the hardest one in the world. Yeah. It's all, yeah, you're right, old school. It's the hardest one to win. You know, and I'm like, I actually had this. I had a really great year in the NFL. And so, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm putting five units on, on Tampa Bay plus three and a half. That's my... That's my pick. Everybody wants to know how many units I put on a game. They want me to tell me how much to bet on a game. I'm putting five units on Tampa Bay. I'm betting on their defense. Yeah, well, I put five percent on them because I gave you the check mark, pal. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you know you're my boy, old school. You already know. Like I said, I follow you blindly with those progressions in baseball this summer, and I wouldn't have made a damn dime this summer on baseball if it wasn't for you. So. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you you've been kind to my bankroll too, so uh, we'll, we'll call that a push. <laughs> so, so all right, we'll, we'll we'll call it a push, buddy. <laughs> Lots of mutual respect. I I love it, guys. For Thank sure. you so much for your time. It was all right, Jake. You know what? One of the best podcasts probably we've ever done. Especially great, great you guys. Time. You make these podcasts work, man. Thank you very much, Jake. Yeah, thanks, Jake. I thanks, old school. Have a good time, guys. Me too. Thanks, Butcher. All right. Take care. Thank you, guys. guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.